It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. Game one in the books. Super excited to talk about Kevin O'Connell's offense. What was different? What made this team so different that the Packers couldn't figure it out? Stay tuned on the Ron Johnson Show for that. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Hey, it's Ron Johnson, and welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network, as I stated before. Before I jump into this whole Kevin O'Connell era of the Minnesota Vikings offense, remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts and find our videos on Locked On Sports Minnesota channel. You'll get endless Vikings talk with local experts. And now we're offering new podcasts about your favorite football team because it's football season. The Minnesota football party brings together Reef Hassan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, and Sam Actioner to talk Vikings on Mondays and Thursdays. Find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota or watch our show on YouTube channel. Well, as I bring my producer to the show, Sam Sam Ekstrom, I'm excited because all offseason, we've been building up to this moment. We've been building up to the Kevin O'Connell, putting the headset on, getting the plays into Kirk Cousins. We've been building up to what Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins will look like. We were scared off a little bit by the Rams opening against the Bills. Everybody's like, oh, crap. Is this what we're going to get? Like, is this what we're going to get? Not this. But this is what I think. Was Kevin O'Connell the mastermind helping Sean McVay? Was he the, the wizard? Sauce. Was he yeah. the wizard behind the curtain? You know, did Matthew Stafford click his heels three times and now he's back in Kansas? There's no more craziness out there. Is Kevin O'Connell right back where he belongs as a head coach? As a former quarterback, you watch guys like Dan Orlowski break down plays and do it with precision. Why? Because they were always in the headset working with the quarterback, starting to help him get better. You look at Matthew Stafford with Kevin O'Connell, a former quarterback. So as a backup, he knew exactly. He's, he's heard from, from uh, the Jets. He's heard from Belichick with the Patriots. Bart Scott said he's one of the smartest guys he knows. He's one of the grittiest quarterbacks he knows. And then all of a sudden, now he's a head coach. It looks like it's working. Like he's getting Kirk Cousins to the line of scrimmage with precision. He's getting Kirk Cousins to the line of scrimmage with time. Before I explain why it works so well, Sam, what did you think about the game? I mean, it's hard to complain if you're a Vikings fan about that result. All three phases, uh, offense, defense, special teams, the Vikings were the better team. You flustered Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the, the, I'd say... Equally as encouraging as the Vikings' performance is that now their chief competitor in the division, Green Bay, has problems. I mean, they've got in, big injury problems on, on that offensive line. Rodgers looks super frustrated with his young receivers, and he doesn't have a safety net. On a, on a big fourth down play, he doesn't have anyone who he's comfortable throwing to. 
um, especially, you know, wide receivers. He seemed to be really reliant on his running backs and tight ends in the passing game and doesn't have that, that, that nice little blankie that he can kind of fall on when he needs a, uh, a completion. And that was Devontae mm-hmm. Adams. He's not around anymore. Marquez Valdez-Scantling's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that comfortable um, sort of cocoon that he was in before, it's no, no longer there. So the Vikings have a lot to be pumped about on their end, and the Packers look to be a little bit more vulnerable. But I, I loved the way that Kirk looked yesterday. His connection mm-hmm. with Jefferson was really natural, and I thought he actually moved in the pocket pretty well, Ron. I thought that he was stepping yeah. up in the pocket. He was buying an extra second uh, to make a couple extra throws. So that, that to me is really encouraging for Kirk, who's never really been, it's never been a strength of his to extend the play like that. Yeah, and when you look at Aaron Rodgers, you know, 22 for 34, 195 yards, an interception, 16.1 QBR. Kirk Cousins, on the other hand, 23 for 32, 277 yards. So he completed 23 passes, and uh, Aaron Rodgers completed 22. So only one more pass was completed by Kirk but he completely blew him out of the water almost by 100 yards. Uh, he had two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did take one sack, um, but he had an 80.7 QBR. 80.7 QBR. That and the Huge. QBR, they take into account under pressure. They take into account checkdowns. They could take into account getting out of the pocket, pocket presence, throwing the ball away. All that stuff is, is taken into account. So 80.7, Kirk did work. Dalvin Cook had a silent 90 yards. Like, that 90 yards was so quiet. You got a Justin Jefferson with nine catches, 184 yards. No Packers receivers were even close to 100 yards. Their best receiver was 46, which was their running back. Their rookie led the way with 37 yards. Romeo Dubs, a guy that I said was really good when he was at Nevada, back when I covered them on FS1, uh, when they played uh, New Mexico State. Also saw them play, uh, I think, San Diego State, and he was an absolute beast. They played uh, – who else did they play? They played a couple teams I did. I did, like, two or three of their games. Um and I said he was good then. Uh, when you look at Jordan Hicks, 14 tackles led the team. Harrison Smith went up top and intercepted the ball over Randall Cobb. He mossed him. Usually the receiver's the one mossing the DB. No, no, no. Harrison Smith mossed Randall Cobb. I hope Randy uses that in you got moss segment because you know he loves his purple. He might do Justin Jefferson, but I don't think Justin Jefferson truly mossed anybody. But Harrison Smith did, so maybe he'll give some love. I might have to tag him and give him some love to make sure he sees that. Uh, so he can put that in the You Got Moss segment that Randall Cobb got mossed uh, by Harrison Smith. And hopefully he gives me the credit because I know he's not thinking about it. And I'll pay off the tease. This is why Kevin O'Connell's offense was so effective. Not better, just more effective. And the Packers couldn't really figure it out all the time. One, there were a ton of crossing routes. And I'm talking about double, triple crossing routes. Like there was one where Irv went right, Thielen went left, and then uh justison went between the two so there was like a triple like rub where if you make a mistake and pick the wrong guy we're rubbing you're gonna and it was just Kirk cousins taking his po- picking his poison like if they had dropped back into coverage irv smith is wide open in the flat and and again that's kind of like here's a treat you got a secondary guy coming behind it nobody covered justin jefferson touchdown yak after the catch the man is nasty in open space but the splits when you see where Justin Jefferson was lined up, he was lined up at times two to three yards inside the numbers, and he was the outside receiver. We call it a nasty split. His split did not help them figure out the route. From nasty, because of the way he can shimmy off the line of scrimmage, get you wide, get inside, shout out to the receiver factory, um, 
and then he, he made him think I'm going right, and then he turned left. He was able to run a dig route from a nasty split. Two things about a dig route from a nasty split. One, you're already close to the guy that's going to blow you up, which is the backer or the safety. So Kirk Cousins has got to be on time with it, and he was timely. I mean, his minute Justin Jefferson broke, the ball was in the air. So Darnell Savage had no time to react. Like, that's what I love about this defense. Or sorry, about this offense is that Kirk Cousins was on point. He was throwing the ball on the money. I saw a quote from uh, uh, Jair Alexander saying, I told Coach all week, I want that matchup. Let me go one-on-one. Put him on Alexander's Island. But nope, it's about the team. It's not about me. That's what he said. So clearly, he wasn't happy with the game plan. And he said, if I was on Justin Jefferson the entire game, you know what I'd be doing, which we don't know what you'd be doing. But I guess in his mind, he'd have been shutting Justin Jefferson down and he wouldn't have had 184 yards. Looks like they went zone a lot, you know, on some of those plays because they just couldn't figure out this offense. And they didn't want him to get rubbed off man to man and just get killed by Justin Jefferson. So maybe the coach was saving him the embarrassment uh, and trying to protect him. You know, kids don't often understand when a parent says, no, 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 don't do that. No, we're not going to do that, friend. You're going to give that to me. Give that to me, friend. No, no, you cannot have a knife right now. You can't. <laughs> no, you cannot plug that into the socket. You're standing in a bottle <laughs> of water. You just, you just got out the tub. Get your hands away from the No, 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 friend. Get away from the oven. It's hot. Kids don't understand that. And that's what I feel like the defensive coordinator was doing for Jai Alexander. He's like, no, no, friend. No, 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 friend. No, no. No, no, we're not going to leave you on an island with Justin Jefferson. But, friend, let me tell you, <laughs> Justin Jefferson, it, it wouldn't have went the way you thought it would have went, friend. We don't want you to be hurt. We don't want to see you embarrassed. We're trying to protect you. We want you to grow and be a big, strong cornerback one day, friend. No, no, you, you, you can't have Justin Jefferson. But no, 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 you're not going to turn away from me. Come back here. We're not going to have Justin Jefferson today. You're going to play zone and just deal with it. We're going to let the other, your other friends get to play with Justin Jefferson on the team. This is not, no, you got to share, share, share the, share, share Justin Jefferson with everybody else, friend. And that's what the coaches were doing for him. They were sharing, share Justin Jefferson. You can't have him by yourself. You're not ready for that yet. But maybe, I don't know, at the end of the year, when they come back and play the Packers again, maybe they'll give him what he wants. Like maybe they will. Hey, you want him, take him. Let's see. Because sometimes as a parent, you got to let your kids, you know, have fun dangerously sometimes to see what happens. Maybe they, maybe they survive the jump from the top of the slide. Maybe they bust their lip. Either way, they're going to learn. And you're going to learn together. But that's what the Packers have to wait and do. But Kevin O'Connell's offense, it was spectacular. Like, I loved, I've said this for years, I hate vanilla offenses. Like, when I watched the 49ers and I watched the Bengals and I watched the, 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 uh, the, the, the Herbert, Justin Herbert, the uh, Chargers, I love that. I love the shifts and motions because it, it doesn't allow the defense to get set. It's like, where's Waldo with Justin Jefferson, Kevin O'Connell saying, you got to figure out where we're going to put him. We're never going to put him in the same spot. We don't want you to figure it out. Find him and then figure out what you're going to do with him. They couldn't handle it. But up next, I'm excited about this. We got Leo Lewis coming on the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. And before we jump to the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment, we got a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, and all the lines on the games next week. Early line at BetOnline.net has the Vikings as two-point underdogs in Philly 
and they're putting an over-under of 52 on this game. They're expecting a shootout on Monday night. Uh, Bet Online is also your continued source for all sports wagering info, and that includes MMA, boxing, and golf as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, up next on the Ron Johnson Show, the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. I got former Vikings receiver, former Missouri uh, receiver as well, Leo Lewis. Leo Lewis spent some time working for the Gophers. He worked for the Vikings. He's an alumnus mm-hmm. of the Vikings as well, played receiver uh, for the Browns and the Vikings. Saw Leo Lewis yesterday at the game. So when I, I, I'm very organic with how I do my <laughs> guests. I don't plan it out. I don't, like, you know, have a list. I mean, I have a list. But, you know, I like to catch guys when I know they've seen the game and I know they've been around it, and Leo is one. So, Leo, out the gate, you were at the game with the alumni. I saw Willie Howard up in there. I saw Chuck Foreman, mm-hmm. who uh, did the uh, the the Vikings game day live with me this uh, offseason with myself and okay. Don Mitchell. And looking at, you know, you at the game, a guy like Justin Jefferson, 158 yards or 184 yards, um, has a breakout, you know, kind of game. And we already know he's great, but it was just like a coming out party mm-hmm. with him and Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell in this office. Adam Thielen, unfortunately, suffered only at three because of that performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see that as a former receiver, um, you know, with this, with the, with the team, what, what did that feel like to watch a receiver just go off like that? Yeah. Uh, Jefferson certainly is uh, the new era receiver where, you know, because passing is so evident in the, in the pro game now, uh, he's the epitome of, of what you want in a receiver. Um, you know, uh, he's not the best receiver I've seen, but he's going to be uh, one of the greatest. And uh, hopefully we can keep him. we got to make it to the playoffs and we can keep him as a Viking. Yeah, so thinking about that, you know, we're not going to – I don't want to think ahead. I, I, I'm taking the yeah, P.J. Fleck yeah. method, which is this is the <laughs> this is now the, the zero and zero Eagles championship week. Packers are done. Uh-huh. Uh, we're not going to yeah. talk playoffs because it's just, I mean, because I, I, when you said that in my mind, I forgot who that was. I think it was um, the coach coach. Uh, was it Mora that did the playoffs? Like, yeah. we're not going to talk playoffs just yet. But thinking about Kevin O'Connell, new culture, you know, you've been around a yeah. bunch of culture changes from mm-hmm. the Gophers mm-hmm. with our leg directors and coaches and football mm-hmm. to the Vikings and everything. I mean, you've been here. You've seen Zim. You've seen – uh, you know, Leslie Frazier, Brad Childress, now Kevin yeah. O'Connell. Uh, yeah. Early, you know, early thoughts about this game and just the player interaction stuff you're seeing on social media. What's your early thought about the culture of this team now? Yeah, well, you know, it's good to have a young coach, someone with some new ideas who's been successful uh, at earlier stages in his career. And it's always good to generate new uh, belief, uh, vitality, and uh, yeah, and to create a culture uh, which he believes is best for the players. So he, he, I think, is going to be a great players coach. He was once a player, and it's good to have that type of uh, background. Um, I certainly believe that he has some good tools to work with, particularly on offense. But he has generated, interesting enough, a, a great defensive um, uh, team that has some enthusiasm and i think they're going to create a lot of great plays they did last uh, uh uh last night and at the same time i think when you look at uh giving kirk cousins more confidence uh as a leader uh it's in it's incumbent that um cousins has followers just like this new head coach uh you can't be a leader unless you have followers and i think he's created a, a culture that's, that's good enough at this particular time where 
uh, the team, the, the players believe in them. And Leo, um, let's go back in time. You know, let's go way back to when you played. Uh, what are some oh, memories? Ago, <laughs> <laughs> what are, what are some of your favorite memories of, uh, wearing the purple and being uh-huh. a Minnesota Viking? Well, I tell you what, it starts with the, the, the locker room, you know, great guys to play with. You know, I, I think, again, you can't be a team without really believing in each other. And, you know, uh, and, and fortunately, I played with the Hall of Famers, uh, all pro players. Uh, you know, we had in the 80s, we had a lot of talent. We just couldn't play against some teams who had even greater talent. And it was uh, incumbent of us to, you know, make the playoffs, obviously, which we didn't do much. But uh, we had some players who went to the Pro Bowl quite a bit and uh, now are Hall of Famers, uh, you know. Uh, you know, what the, the players that come to mind, you know, certainly Chris Carter, uh, Randall McDaniel, John Randall, Chris Dolman, uh, Joey Browner, uh, Steve Jordan. I mean, just great guys, too, and great to play with. Um, uh, you know, I was fortunate, too, to, to play 11 years for the Minnesota Vikings and, and had my niche. Um, you know, believe it or not, I didn't return punts until I was 30 years old and, and became <laughs> the uh, uh, punt returner for a significant number of years later in my career. But I played wide receiver most of the time and didn't play special teams uh, at the at the first five years of my career with the Vikings. And, uh, you know, that's a long time ago, so people don't remember that. <laughs> but um, I, I was able to, to diversify, you know, my talent on the team and, uh, and to help where I could. And certainly with the, at that particular time, the new players, Jake Reed, uh, Chris Carter, uh, and Anthony Carter, um, you know, ended up playing uh, well into the 90s, obviously. Um, and uh, I was just very fortunate to be able to stay with the club uh, as a scout and um, with the new emerging player development program. Yeah, so talk about the player development stuff. Yeah, like you were, you've been around this. You, you, why is that so important? Because when you think about culture and Kevin O'Connell now, mm-hmm. his culture is open door. Yeah, Every coach yeah. says that though, but but I truly believe he wants to, you know, he wants to merge mm-hmm. the past and the present to understand the Minnesota Vikings history. Uh, if you go way back when to the four Super Bowls, all that kind of stuff, uh, it can happen again. The Randy Moss yeah. era of of getting, you know, being dominant. Uh, it feels like it's close. Like it feels like it's there. Just you, you're always waiting yeah. for the other shoe to drop with the Vikings. I feel like uh, kicker made a 56 yarder, so that felt weird. Yeah. Um. It, it just it felt like a dream. Almost like that was too good to be true. Did it really happen? Uh. But when you think about developing these players off the field, on the mm-hmm. field, whatever it might be, mentally, spiritual, spiritually, physically, whatever it is, why is that player development piece so important when you look at players that leave? you know, programs and, and, and don't have the uh, after playing success that a guy like yourself has had? Well, I think it's, it's really incumbent of leaders to uh, be able to know who they're leading. Um, and one way you get to do that is to have conversations with them and just not give out commands and orders and expect them to jump and, and do, do what you ask them to do. Um, because you're certainly your position depends on it as well. So I think that's one of the things that I learned really early. I think Denny Green was probably the first coach that I uh, worked for that encompassed uh, giving players a voice, giving players uh, uh, an opportunity to express their opinions on and off the field, and uh, to be able to incorporate that in in the mission of the of the team, and uh, and and have that as a uh, a focus, so that players understand that they are valued 
on the team um, and then they're just not commodities. So I think one of the things that uh, um, is incumbent of coaches today is that they allow their players to be themselves, uh, to have an opinion, but also to understand that the team is the most important entity uh, out there and, and, and their individual opinions, although they're valued, um, they have to really mesh into the focus of, of, of team unity. And when you see Justin Jefferson, so going back to that, and, and you look at yourself, yeah. when you see this offense, if there were a person yeah. that can go back in history and come back and say, hey, Leo Lewis, hey, Minnesota mm -hmm. Vikings, here's the offense you guys probably would run that would, would take the NFL by storm. Uh, what could you see yourself doing as a slot receiver in, this, in, this, in that type of offense yeah. now? Well, I, I think it's, it's amazing how – uh Jefferson is used in various capacities and that he can be an outside receiver he certainly can be a slot receiver you know uh the, the thing about me is I wasn't as as uh quick up the field but you know I was able to you know get open uh early on in the pattern and so I was always in motion uh I was in the slot much much more because at that particular time you can go either way you can go left or right and you're mm -hmm in your uh, route and you didn't have as much limitation based upon the, the out of bounds line. So um, that helped me. And I, but I, I you know, this guy's so complete, uh, Jefferson's so complete now that um, they, it's, it's important for the Vikings to make sure that he is included in every play, whether it's a running play or not, because, you know, the defense is always watching him. So he can mm -hmm. be more of a decoy and have, the Vikings be successful in their running game uh, and other pass plays uh, that would be helpful as well. Uh, no different than Randy Moss was, you know, certainly I believe Randy was uh, much better because he could return punts and kickoffs. He could pass the ball, you know, he could do everything at his stature as well. Um, but both of these guys have that ability to um, uh, get open, uh, you know, be be able to be creative in their routes. And uh, the passing game nowadays allows that because I think you pass first and run second, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And so today's defense, they're limited to what they can do to a receiver at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You remember back in your day, it was you could beat the crap out yeah. of a receiver. And I'm just going back. Right. I'm looking at like the 1980, 1981, 1982 Vikings seasons. And when they cross pass with the Steelers, uh, this one's always uh -huh. good for me because I, I, I know Mel Blunt. Uh, my dad was a quarterback yeah, there. Yeah. So, like, looking at 1980, uh, I mean, it, it's funny, too, like, being a part of your golf tournaments and Greg Coleman's golf tournaments, like, the names I'm seeing on here are, like, everybody that comes to those golf tournaments. And I'm like, <laughs> like you know, like, the Viking starters, you got Tommy Kramer, you got Ricky Young, Ted yeah. Brown, Amara Shah, Sammy White. Uh, you got, uh, who else is on here? Wes Hamilton. Uh, you got Correct. Ron Yari. You go all the way down. You got Curtin off at safety. You got uh, John Turner at corner. Mm -hmm. uh, you got Scott Studwell, Matt Blair. Uh, man, this is crazy. James White. And then you go over yeah. to the, the Steelers. I mean, these are guys. I was born in 1980, so these guys were around right. when I was born. You got Mike Webster. <laughs> uh, you got Larry Brown. You got Lynn Swan, yeah. Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw. You go down to the defense. You got Elsie Greenwood, Joe Green. You got uh, Jack Ham, Lambert, Robin Cole. Robin Cole uh, he used to come to Detroit and hang out with us every summer. I don't know why, but I guess okay. when my dad became really good friends. Uh, yeah. So Robin Cole would bring his family and they would come to Detroit for the summer and work out my dad, him. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Lynn Swan would come down there. Mel Blunt would drive down to Detroit just because my dad was known for doing crazy workouts. Um, and so in yeah. Detroit, I guess back then, Detroit, and it still is to me, Detroit was probably a great place to hang out for black people, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's mm-hmm. be real. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's still one of the, the most heavily populated uh, African-American, you know, communities. Yeah. And so Detroit probably was cool for these guys to get to and, you know, hang out, be in Detroit. As pro players, Jerome Bettis does that. He goes back to Detroit and does a yeah. deal, and he brings all the, like, players that he knows to hang out in Detroit and work out with him. Uh, but you know, my dad, Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell, Mike Wagner. So when you think about those Steeler battles, cause I, I've, I've talked to Greg Coleman about this. I've talked to Amara Rashad about this. Uh, I've talked to Mel Blunt. He's come on, uh, to K fan with me and talked about this. What, like, what yeah. do you remember? Cause that, that steel curtain, they used to beat people up. Like my dad yeah. told me he would kick my <laughs> if I played against them. Like they would, they, they yeah. said they were legally allowed to punch me in the head, you know, clothesline me. What, uh-huh. what do you remember? Not just them though, but what do you remember? about defenses like that back in your day. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I named off a lot of good Viking players and we, and we had a lot of talent, but we weren't, we weren't at that level that the Steelers at that time, the 49ers, uh, Dallas, uh, mm-hmm. Oakland, the Oakland Raiders. Um, we didn't have talent like they did. And plus they had, you know, they were in the Super Bowls on a regular basis. So um, yeah. what I would say though, is, is that yes, um, they would beat us up at the deep, the DBs would beat us up at the line of scrimmage, but I'm not so sure that's any different than, than what they're doing nowadays. I think, uh, you know, you see a lot of grabbing downfield, uh, uh, you know, certainly, certainly, uh, you know, uh, some hitting and, and grabbing at the line of scrimmage. But um, one of the things is that, you know, I grew up, you know, looking at these guys, uh, particularly the steel curtain in the seventies when they were more prominent. And uh, certainly had an opportunity to play against the 49ers and, and the Oakland Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys when they were in their hey, heyday. So um, I would say that they just had a little bit more talent than we did. And, we, and it was very difficult playing them on a, on a, on a regular basis uh, and, and defeating them. So, um, you know, uh, consequently, you see all these guys in the Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah, and so my when my dad passed uh 2018, my my godfather Mel Blunt, you know, he came to the uh funeral and yeah. and I still haven't posted yeah. the picture yet. I, I'm still like I'm still getting through that, but eventually I'll post right. some pictures from it and all the guys. I mean, seeing Franco Harris there and and Donnie mm-hmm. Shell and mm-hmm. all those guys and, and and JT and Woodruff, um everybody came. You know, Mean Joe Green, uh you know, all the way down to uh what's his name, Frankie Fuqua. You know, it was just funny hearing that story, yeah. the immaculate reception, seeing him and Franco together talking about the immaculate mm-hmm. reception and i'm like man i grew up watching this on espn uh because right. when i was young i didn't understand that i didn't know what happened then but now oh, you know, being a high school football player i'm like man this is crazy and mm-hmm. mel blunt and i are eye to eye like mel is six three okay. six four legit yeah. so yeah. when you see a corner like that across from you mm-hmm. at that yeah. height yeah. like what is your thought because you don't see a lot of six three six four corners anymore like, no. what, what was no. your thought of how do you defeat that yeah, I mean, you can't. I, I couldn't defeat a, 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 a DB, DB that tall uh, physically. So uh, someone like me, and you see it nowadays, some of these smaller receivers, um, yeah. uh, you know, we, we're, we, we're put in motion so that we can get a, a running start when the ball snaps. And uh-huh. um, we run, uh, you know, run deceptive plays like re- re- uh, reverses. Um, and um, run a lot of cross plays when we go across the field uh, and cause it either interference or, or a distraction. Uh, most of us are, are, are fast. So um, we, we're either a decoy by sending the defense 
further downfield to, to cover while someone catches un, underneath. So uh, those are the types of plays that, that you find nowadays as well. I mean, but everyone does that. Um, uh, tall and, and short receivers are fast or slow receivers. So um, is, it, is it incumbent to, to just have speed and no hands? No, not necessarily. But to be a complete re wide receiver, I think you need to have some, some certainly um, uh, sports IQ, uh, good hands, uh, and to be durable. And last one before we get to the daily three, uh, that's going to be three questions, three minutes each. We're yeah. going to both take about a minute and a half on the question. Uh, but before we jump in that, one last one, because you, you've played for some great coaches. When you look at the coaching staff of the yeah. Vikings from, from 81 to 89, you had, uh, mm -hmm. you had Bud Grant. Then you had the weird Les yeah. Steckel year. And then you had Bud yeah. Grant again. <laughs> and then you got Jerry Burns. What do you remember Correct. about those coaches? Well, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, as I reflect on uh, my career, um, it was fitting to be able to coach, I mean, be able to play for Jerry and Bud because uh, both of them had legacies with my father. Uh, when my father was a professional player, uh, you know, Bud certainly played with my dad up, at the, up in Winnipeg, both of them were NFL draftees and ended up playing in the CFL uh, most of their career. Then Bud uh, coached my dad uh, for 10 years before he came down to the Vikings. So, uh, you know, our family has had, had uh, that type of relationship with the Grant family for, and now it's spanning over 60, 70 years, you know. And, you know, at that particular time in the 1950s, Jerry Burns and Bud were, were friends. And Jerry would always come up to the CFL when Bud was a head coach and be what you call a guest coach during the preseason before the college season started because Jerry Burns was a, uh, an Iowa head coach and, and assistant mm -hmm. before he went to the NFL and, and coached for the Packers. Eventually, those two would come back and, 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 and have a reunion when Bud came to the NFL and Jerry coached for Bud after, after being in the Green Bay Packers' first two Super Bowls. So, uh, you know, there's this legacy of football that eventually has connected with um, me and my family. Lo and behold, uh, you know, Bud would, would uh, hire me, even though he cut me my first year, he kept me on as a Vikings receiver and special teams guy. And uh, the offensive of coordinator was Jerry Burns. So um, uh, he and I had a special relationship uh, as well. That's cool, man. That's a cool story. That's, uh, you know, it's awesome when you see, you hear those stories because that's things that you don't always get to hear. So I'm glad we got it on the Ron Johnson yep. show. Uh, but up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Let's take it away, Sam. All right. I want you both to put on your offensive coordinator's hat and think about what you saw on the field yesterday with Kevin O'Connell. Mm -hmm. Ron, we'll let you start. What struck you? about Kevin O'Connell's play calling, doing it for the first time in a regular season setting. Uh, what'd you like about it? Well, I talked about this in the open. Um, the thing I like most, and I'm not going to get into the weeds about, because I've already dealt with it in the open, and basically I already talked about the splits and, and the cool things I saw. But this is the thing about, I like about the play calling. It was precise, meaning he got them to the line of scrimmage with enough time to run four to five motions and shifts at sometimes. So that means there was a loose huddle where I love that the line always is looking forward. So they're listening to Kirk Cousins. So when you have to look forward and listen, 
you're a little bit more attentive versus just you're bent over and you're staring at your quarterback and maybe you're not paying attention to what he's saying because you're watching what he's doing. They have to be very attentive and have their ears open and listen to what he's saying. And so I like the way the huddle was where the offensive line is looking forward, trying they get a chance to see the defense get set. So when they come to the line, it's not a surprise. They already see the guys lining up. They already know that the changes the defense has made. Um, I like the fact that he went tempo. We've talked about that with the Vikings in the past, that when they went tempo, it seemed unorganized. Like it seemed very organized with their tempo, meaning when they went no huddle, it was Kirk Cousins' show, but he had one or two plays in his mind because you can see, you can hear him kill the play, meaning I got two plays when I come to this. So it looked like they planned and worked on this. Like, hey, when we go hurry, 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 either kill it to a run or run that pass. And so I love the way, because I know Peyton Manning did that with the coach. He would give them two plays in the huddle. He would say first play is whatever trips left, Z go. And then he'd say play two is trips left, Z over. If he kills it, he's just killing to a run play. But I love the 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 the, the precise efficiency of getting to the line of scrimmage. That was great. Like that's that was the biggest thing, I think, in, at times. It felt like some of the delay of games or Kirk didn't have enough time. And he was clapping his hands like, Herb, give me. There was no time where he felt hurried to get the snap. Like they they always had enough time in the clock. So I love that. What do you think, Leo? Well, you know, certainly they were very, very efficient. So I would have to, you know, uh, give O'Connell um, uh, some perks on that because he, I think he knows what he's doing. Uh, I think uh, he's got the right tools, the right players in the right spot. And um, you didn't see a lot of that hesitancy. Uh, I, I, I thought the running game, although it complemented the passing game, could have been much more efficient. But uh, you didn't need to when you can make big plays with, with Jefferson uh, down the field. Uh, and we were fortunate. And the defense came upon uh, a, a lot of great plays, which kept the score down. So I, I, I think the play calling, again, was efficient. Um, it looked like they knew what they were doing. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Cousins gave, him, gave me more confidence in this game than he ever has. And um, uh, I, think, I think it's a good way to get started. Uh, in the season with 17 more weeks to go, um, you know, Ron knows, you know, once once teams have several film, uh, a game film on you, they're going to hone on some of the things that you do well and try to stop it. So uh, the evolution of that is that, um, you know, uh, they can be more efficient. Yeah, I mean, other than a couple delay game calls, they barely had a penalty on offense either, just super yeah. clean all the way through. All right, a couple old teammates of yours, Leo, have Vikings receiving oh. records. Sammy White, he's got the regular mm. season single-game record, 210 yards. Yep. Anthony Carter, he's got the postseason record, 227 mm -hmm. yards. And Justin Jefferson gave him a scare yesterday, but he didn't break it. Leo, I'll let you start. Yeah. Do you think that Sammy and Anthony's records are in jeopardy with this guy, Justin Jefferson? Well... <laughs> You know, if this first game is any indication, yes, they have the potential to blow those uh, those uh, records away. You know, I think one of the things that we have to understand, they're passing the ball more. So the potential of, of, of gaining more yards during a game is going to be there. Uh, you know, I mean, those are outliers, uh, the way Sammy and, and Anthony uh, performed on those days where they broke the record. I mean, you know, Anthony was certainly... Um, in his playoff game against the 49ers, it just it, it was just his day, you know. And uh, I didn't play when Sammy uh, uh, had the record of 210 yards, but uh, he was the man, you know. You know, Sammy could do anything that you wanted him to do, and I think um, they rewarded it uh, by getting getting the ball to him a lot. Uh 
I'm going to say yes. Just or Adam Thielen had 200 plus yards against the the Packers. So, and not to say Adam Thielen is lesser of a receiver than Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen did it in an offense that wasn't like geared to like be his thing. Justin Jefferson, this offense is geared. This is a Cooper Cup style offense. Kevin O'Connell talked about that in the past. Everybody was confused. If you watch his routes, Justin Jefferson has so many choice routes. It is crazy. It's like walking up to a menu and just saying, eh, safety's high. I'm going to break it off. Uh, yeah. Safety, okay, you want to play behind me? I'm going to take it high. Oh, okay, linebacker, you're outside. I'm going to break in. All right, linebacker, if you're just going to sit here, I'm going to run an out route. My quarterback has the arm strength to throw an absolute laser right past you. And I know we're on, we're on the same page. And I talked about that in the Vikings pregame show on Fox, that you have to understand how the Rams screwed up. The Rams screwed up because of choice routes and not being on the same page, whether Matthew Stafford had a hangover from the Super Bowl champagne, who knows <laughs> what, but the Rams weren't on the same page. And they were like, he threw an out route one time, guy broke in. He threw an in route yeah. uh, for an interception. You saw the tight end breaking out. So either the receivers are wrong or the quarterback is wrong. And then that's up for the coaches to figure out when they watch film. Leo knows that. So when I saw yeah. the Vikings, every out route Justin uh, Justin ran, Thielen or uh, Kirk was on it. Every in breaking route, Thielen was on it. Like it was it was poetry in motion. And so yes, it's in jeopardy. Justin's gonna have a Jamar Chase game coming soon. I don't know against who. Maybe the Lions, uh, but because the Lions gave up thirty eight to the Eagles, and that offense was just okay with a running style quarterback. You put Justin Jefferson against some of those teams that can't stop that. Yeah, he's going to get 240, 250. Ron, you just mentioned the Eagles. So with our final question of the day, I want your best 90 seconds on uh, what the Vikings face next Monday with this Philadelphia team and Jalen Hurts and a, a running quarterback much different than Aaron Rodgers yesterday. Ron, we'll let you start. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts, the one thing we've talked about is RPO offense. And the Eagles did it phenomenally when they had Carson Wentz at his height, the height of his career, he was great when he first came out. He got hurt, and I think he got tentative with wanting to run. Jalen Hurts is not tentative at all. So what he does, he puts pressure on the defensive ends to, to contain. And so you think about Daniel Hunter and Darius Smith and how they were able to contain Aaron Rodgers. There were times where Jordan Hicks was the contain guy in the flat. They're going to use Brian Asamoah at some point in that capacity as well with Jalen Hurts because he can actually really get moving. And so when you think about that, that defense with Ed Donatel, I don't care if it's Daniel Hunter, Jordan Hicks, Eric Kendricks, he always had somebody containing the, the play side, if you want to call it that, quarterback. And then they trigger because meaning if I'm covering the tight end and I'm contained and the tight end is blocking, I can trigger late. And that's what that big hit was on Aaron Rodgers. When he turned his back to Hicks, he thought Hicks was going to be in the flat covering the tight end. Hicks triggered late. Aaron Rodgers never saw him coming and blasted him in the back, hit him into Daniel Hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, so with the Eagles, they have to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket. I mean, I think that's where he can't hurt you. Uh, he can beat you, but he can't hurt you from the pocket. But when he gets outside of your contain, that's when that A.J. Brown second play, that's when he's moving around. Uh, but again, they put up 38 points on the Lions. The Lions put up 35 points on them. So we don't know if that's just two bad defenses and two really good offenses or vice versa, just two teams just – like, hey, let's just let's just see what happens. Let's just go out here. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't like an exciting offensive performance. It was just, you know, I think uh, DeAndre Swift 
had 14 or 15 carries for like 100 plus yards um, yeah. on the Eagles. So with this Eagles team, I think that's it. You're going to have to take the good with the bad. This defense, though, I think they can slow down Jalen Hurts, no problem. And I don't think their defense, they can stop uh, DeAndre Swift. I don't think they're ready for 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 the, the two-headed back because it looks like now it's 2-1. They're going two series with Cook and then one with Madison. He's getting the entire series. He's not spelling Dalvin Cook like he did. They're doing it more Rams-ish. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. And I took Leo's time, so Leo, you can keep going after the buzzer. Don't no, worry. it's all right. I, you know, I haven't seen Philadelphia that much, but I, I know with with Swift from uh, Detroit gaining 144 yards, uh, it may be a good time for us to show up our running game, and, and it might be a game where we run in order to pass this 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 time. But uh, it's no doubt that if if we if we need to improve and to uh, look at each game on its own merits, um, uh, I like Dalvin Cook to be a little bit more involved. But it's no doubt that uh, JJ is going to have an opportunity to have a good game and be the killer. Yeah, you can keep going though, Leo. What else you got? Well, I, I, and, and, and then also, you know, uh, you have Mr. Thielen um, has an opportunity as well. I mean, I think they have so many weapons that that um, they're just going to have to analyze from week to week uh, what's what's going to be the best way to attack uh, the opposing team's defense. And it, it looks like Philadelphia. It's all comers. I mean, they're just going to have to pick their way to to, to score uh, because I don't I don't think they're they're strong in any in any fashion that's going to be an alert for um, our team. Yeah, well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show today. I want to thank Leo Lewis for joining me. If you haven't seen the first segment, please go back and watch that. It was a great open. Talked a lot about this Viking offense, Kevin O'Connell's new era. What do we expect? But Leo Lewis did a great job today. Please, if you uh, please continue to download, subscribe, listen, like, share, comment. Let us know what you think. What, let, is Leo Lewis right? Is Justin Jefferson going to break the records of his teammates? Is Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen going to have one of the most prolific seasons under Kevin O'Connell? Is this culture change? Does this help Kirk Cousins mentally? Because it seems like it has. But please continue to like and share. And remember, this is a Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. This is Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank you. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.